What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to Episode 5 of Pat's Interference. We are so excited to bring you this episode. Patrick Brigman finally back from his vacation to Disney. We're talking about the game against ULM from last week, the big game against Georgia this week in Athens, and also talking about Herschel Walker and Leonard Fournette comparisons. You'll find out more as the episode goes along. We're excited to bring it to you. This is Episode 5 of Pat's Interference. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode five of Pat's Interference. I am Patrick Norwood. And I'm Patrick Brickman. How's everyone doing? It's good to have you back, Patrick. It's 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 been a while. You were you were at Disney. Uh, you went without me, which is weird because <laughs> Disney is right in my backyard. Well, um, it's bittersweet. You know, it was for, great to for go. For those of you... Uh, yeah. For those... For those of you that don't know, I'm I'm in Orlando right now. I currently live in Orlando. Patrick, you live in Panama City Beach, Florida. We're in the same state, different time zones. You come to Orlando, do not even have the time to see me. I get that you were on a cruise and everything. It's fine. It's fine. I don't care. I'm over it. But, you know, I, I was a little peeved. But I hope you had fun. <laughs> I, hope, I hope the mouse house was everything that you and your sweet wife wanted. Uh, did, did you have a good time? Was it a good time? Oh, it was everything we wanted and more. It was, it was relaxing. We did uh, six days in the park, actually, and then a three-day cruise. It was I'd never been on a cruise before, so I think in those three days I must have eaten 15, 16 ice cream cones. It was amazing. It was so great. Yeah, I'm not mad at all. It's fine. You're just freaking eating ice cream. Okay, let's get into it. Bama, big win over ULM, the shutout. Uh, Patrick, what did you take away from this game? I know you watched the replay. You were on the cruise. So yeah, I was on the cruise. I was on. I was on the cruise during the game. I didn't even have cell service, so it wasn't until uh, until I was able to get back to the room that night and turn on ESPN, which is actually uh, on the cruise. We were picking up like uh, I think from from the Bahamas. So it was rugby on ESPN on a Saturday night, which was weird to me. But anyway, I did see the final score there, and then I did watch the replay when I got home. Uh, really some major takeaways I got, and this is a game that I don't think we're going to focus on too much because we do have the huge no. game on Saturday, but a couple things just off the top of my head were that, uh, I still think our quarterbacks are mediocre is being, uh, I think a little bit overstating to them. They're mediocre that, at best right nice. now. Yeah. It's that's, nice to say that they're being mediocre. Um, and which is, which is a problem because even when AJ McCarron was mediocre and he wasn't a turnover-prone mediocre, which being a turnover-prone and mediocre is going to kill us. I think we saw Calvin Ridley. He had a, a definitely an expanded role, um, even sure. though he did drop that second-half pass in the end zone. Would have been really nice to see him catch uh, with Robert yeah. Foster out for, I think, the season. We're going to be seeing a lot more Calvin yes. Ridley. And then just the defense. They played fired up. They played very well. Um, I know they were playing a much inferior opponent, but they gave up almost uh, – no, I mean, almost no rushing yards and very little, pa under 100 passing yards. I think 83, 85, something like that, nine total yeah. rushing yards. So it was, a, yeah, it was definitely it was... a good showing by the team, even if the offense and the quarterbacks still don't look completely in sync. The, I think the thing that bothered me the most about this game, the play from the quarterbacks was frustrating. Um, the drops, uh, Chris Black had a dropped pass that looked terrible. Uh, I mean, it was it was something that I would catch, and I'm horrible at catching. You know, horrible. the guy finally sees the field, and he's dropping passes. That's frustrating. And that's frustrating. Play calling is still something that baffles me. Uh, you know, I, I was talking to a listener early in the week, and we agreed that if, if 
Lane Kiffin decides to run Derrick Henry 50 times this game, that's that's fine by us. Um, maybe a screen pass here or there, but, you know, it's just the passing game is just non-existent. And sort of going on a wider scope, I kind of wanted to ask you this, Patrick. I'm sort of starting to not, I don't know, not get concerned. That's not really the right word, but just sort of wonder. This defense is very good, giving up 96 yards uh, total. Uh, almost, I think uh, they had two, ULM had two yards in the first half, or in the first quarter, excuse me, six sacks. I mean, this defense is flying all over the field. Cyrus Jones, Eddie Jackson, both playing really, really solid football. Do you think that this defense is getting wasted by this offense? I mean, it's just, it's almost sad to me because this even defense is so talented and they're so deep and quick and everything, the fundamentals are there. But their offense is just letting them down. I'm just getting this vibe that this is a defense that's going to be overlooked when we look back through the history of Alabama football and during this time period where is this weird lull of two years in a row with an odd quarterback situation and all that stuff going on. I'm just concerned that this defense is going to be overlooked and this season is going to be remembered by, oh, well, there was a mix-up you know, mix at quarterback and then the old miss game and you know everything like that uh, yeah I, I see what you're i see what you're saying it's early in the season the defense is definitely carrying the team uh and that was ev- that's been evident and and every game uh aside from the first wisconsin game where the offense did actually look like they were synced pretty well but um yeah i i would agree with you i don't want to i hope we don't look at the end of the season and say that the season was wasted uh this defense was wasted that we have this year and we're very fortunate to have these um fast guys actually it was earlier in the week that ulm one of the players said that uh our defense they were comparing us in georgia i don't know that this really answered your question i just think it's an interesting quote one of their uh ulm's offensive players was comparing the two defenses and he says that georgia's is faster but ours is bigger and more physical i don't know where that goes i just think it's something that's worth hearing so yes they're carrying the team right now it's still early and i think the offense is slowly looking like they're coming together i think the play calling against ulm was pretty vanilla i mean it was straight yeah. I mean, they didn't want to show their hand now that we have anything really else to hide uh, i mean I, it's but, just but i mean what like i i don't know i'm, I'm not one and i said this a couple of weeks ago and I, I i'll still i'll stand oh god was that a week ago i'm sorry it's been a long week so <laughs> my weeks are starting to run together a little bit but i'm not one who really ever goes around questioning coaching staff decisions or saying you know we need to fire this guy i'm not i'm not like that i don't like it when people do that i think if you're a fan of college football, you understand that it takes times. In some years, you're just not that good, and that's okay because these, you know, at the end of the day, these are 18 to 22-year-old kids. They're not professionals. They're not professional athletes. They're not getting paid to do this. They're going to take some plays off, especially, you know, when, okay, we're up by 20 or we're down by 20. I'm going to take this play off or take it easy. You know, but I start to question – whether or not Lane Kiffin is a good fit for Alabama football, not in games like Ole Miss where it's a big game and he loses because we've had successful offensive coordinators at Alabama, uh, McIlwain, um, Major Applewhite, you know, borderline successful. <laughs> but, um, you know, and it's just Nussmeyer. It's just these guys that in big games, yeah, they lost them, but they put up a good fight and everything. And so I'm not going to blame anybody 
for big games like that because teams can get amped up. It's these small games. It's these ULMs, these MTSU games, where it just feels like the offense isn't really doing anything positive. I mean, nothing positive seemed to come out of Saturday on the offensive side of the ball, in my opinion. Uh, there were no really huge plays in the first half. Admittedly, I didn't get to watch a lot of the second half, but the parts that I did... Um, there's still, great... still, yeah, still nothing huge in that second half. I either. mean, I mean, the the rollout pass in the flat to Nicewinder was a great play. It was a great pass. That's the second time we've seen Jake Coker run, uh, you know, roll out to his right side, hit a man right between the numbers on the run, throwing downhill because he's, you know, what nine foot seven inches tall. Um, you know, so it's just it's a tough pass, and I just wonder sometimes. You know, what is Lane's direction? What does he see for this team uh, going forward? And what does he want to see against Georgia? And I'm just wondering, what's your game plan? I'm on board with you there because I don't – we're not – okay, we don't have the identity, and everyone can admit that. I know know a lot of um, old-time Alabama fans don't want to admit it, but we have a different identity from 2011, 2012. We are not a running football team anymore. We are a well, that's, balanced that's all attack. A football we are a, I mean, it, we're a balanced you... attack. We we have to rely on the pass as much as the run. But when we're we struggle obviously like any offense does when we don't have uh, when when one because when you have this balanced attack, we don't have the offensive line that we used to. It's it's still a good offensive line, but I mean when you aren't producing running yards if we're not getting running we trouble we have trouble converting when a team knows what's coming our improvisation yeah. has not been there this year uh jacob coker can improvise derrick henry isn't really the kind of running back that improvises much uh, really it's just Kenyon drake that can really do it um and Kenyon drake is put in situations where there's not really room to improvise yeah exactly. i'm sorry but Kenyon drake's being put in when it's third and six third and five I mean, it's it. There's not a whole lot of room for him to really wiggle or do anything. Well, look at other teams. Look at teams. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't really think of too many right now. But teams that do, because we are a definitely below average third down team, and there's a reason. Because yeah. when we have that third down and thirteen, we don't. We very rarely convert that, and most teams don't. But you, you it seems more often the teams are converting those on us than us on them. I don't know why, uh, and then even even the third and four, the third and three, where we have to run it, we're not hitting those as much as we used to. And I think, I don't know, I think there needs to be a better mix. I mean, how many times did we, and I didn't see this play in the Ole Miss game, or not the Ole Miss, we saw it a lot in the Ole Miss game, in the ULM game, thank God, but that little toss sweep that we did, which I think oh. was, a, I, I, I wasn't, uh, and, okay, and I'm going to branch off here. I wasn't here to talk about the Ole Miss game, which I want to thank uh, Tori for filling in there. She did a fantastic job, she by the way. She did a great job, at, at yeah, that. yeah. But I think a huge point in that game, and I, we're really rambling now, but uh, when we were down in the red zone the first time, settled for the field goal, and we could have gone up 7-3, we had it maybe second and goal on the three, and we did the toss sweep and lost six yards. Lost six yards. But we'd already done uh, it twice in the game, at least. and so You it know what it reminded me of, It wasn't going to surprise anyone. It, it, it reminded me, and I said this last week in the podcast, if you listened to episode four, we thank you, and I'm sorry for repeating myself, but it reminded me of when Johnny Manziel and Texas A&M came in and beat Alabama in Bryant-Denny Stadium, and the last couple plays of the game on offense were these weird, I mean, it's, it's, it's like you said, second and goal from the two, 
that season, the same as this season, we have the biggest running back in the SEC by far. There's no one even close to just the mass that Derrick Henry has. And yet we're passing or we're running a jet sweep. It's not, I'm sorry, but I'm sick of it. Put a freaking fullback in the formation, let him blow somebody up. I don't care. I don't care who you put in that position. You can put the biggest guy on the team in that position, blow him up, put in the jumbo package. If you only get a yard, well then you cut it in half because that's how much, you know, that's halfway between what you needed. If you're at the two, run the ball up the middle or run a little pitch sweep to your running back, not your wide receiver, not the smallest guy on the field. You run it with your running back. And I just don't understand where Lane Kiffin gets this idea. Okay. We're at the two yard line. I'm going to go in the shotgun. And I know he loves the pistol and I love the pistol, but I don't love the pistol inside the five yard line. I don't love the pistol inside the red zone at all. If it were up to me and you know this, I would run the ball every play because I, I love a good run attack. Um, and I'm just, I'm a little sick of seeing that, oh, the razzle-dazzle, here's what we're going to do. That's not Alabama. That's not the Alabama that I've grown up with. That's not the Alabama that you've grown up with. And that's not the Alabama that's won championships in the past. It takes so much for us to be that Alabama still because there, we, I think if we were to be the Alabama that we were uh, historically and in 2011 and 2012 – we would be the only team in the nation that was that team. And that's, yeah, we can do it because of the way we recruit, but it takes so much to come together to be the juggernaut we were for five years straight. I mean, the recruiting class has to line up at the same time as your quarterback is peaking, and, and you have to have virtually no holes in college football to go undefeated or even win the national championship at the end of the year. A lot of guys to come together. And so for us to be the team that can run it 40 times a game and be successful – it takes a lot. I don't think that is a realistic option for us this year. Uh, Kiffin's definitely not going to be the guy that runs it 40 times and, and we're, you know, what we're no, used and to. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's the way you win football games anymore because I'm obviously not a college coach. But what I'm saying is when you're inside the five-yard line, why in the hell are you running out of the shotgun? You're absolutely right there. I don't know why, you, I don't know why you get funny over there. backwards to go forward two yards. You've just added more work for yourself it's just it's inefficient and it doesn't make sense and with all these and we're not even going to go into the rumors that have surrounded lane kiffin over the past week if you don't know what i'm talking about google it there are six thousand people talking about it i i don't i you know patrick in my opinion we're here to analyze college football yeah what's happening on the field with college football uh but i i the day he got hired i did not like the pickup i told you we were in uh we had some class together whatever that class was i don't know but we were in some class together and i texted you that morning and i said we're going to talk about it today and i told you i said he brings trouble wherever he goes wherever he goes there's trouble it has followed him everywhere he goes and i don't trust him and i'm just i'm for a while people kind of had me sold the auburn game last year people were like the play calling was great and i said yeah the sec championship play calling's been awesome it was great Play perfect. calling is it's easy exactly to be awesome, though, when you have a good quarterback. And I think that's the root of our troubles right now. I know we have sure. all these things, and play calling is hard. But play calling is only as good as your quarterback. Uh, we have not seen a mediocre quarterback at Alabama as, and really since maybe John Parker Wilson and Saban's tenure. I mean, because even Greg McElroy, I still, even though he just managed the game, was above average. So 
this well, is the well, worst starting quarterback hold on situation we've had since Saban got here, which is tough. I, I, I think that I, I will agree with you, but I don't think it's from a fundamental standpoint that I agree with you about the quarterback situation because Blake Sims is a fundamental quarterback. I mean, where is he now? He's a backup in Canada. I mean, it's not, and he's, he's barely that. He got pulled off the scout team two weeks ago, you know? So he wasn't, the fundamentals weren't there. Blake Sims was a great leader, and there's no leadership, but I think the leadership is attached to the higher-ups, to these Lane Kiffins. And honestly, I'm, I'm not quite, like I said, I'm not the type of guy to say, go fire somebody because they're doing a bad job or because they're having a down season, because that's not a realistic expectation to put on a coach at any level of sports, in my opinion, especially college football. But I am starting to question whether or not Alabama has hired Lane Kiffin because he was this brilliant offensive mind that's going to win us football games, or because Lane Kiffin follows the trend of what offenses are doing in college football. It was definitely flashy. I'll give you that. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, and another thing about it is, and we'll, we'll move on. I'm sorry. I know we've been rambling, um, but... The other thing that bothers me about it is, you know, you just mentioned, well, we'd be the only team in college football doing that. And I agree with you, and I, I don't think we should do that. But the thing is, uh, running the hurry-up offense and stuff, and I, I get that's the new thing to do in college football. Or it's not even the new thing. It's just the thing to do now in college football. But guess what's the thing about those hurry-up offenses that these other teams have? They have the ball for a total of, like, two or three minutes on their scoring drives. If you take seven or eight minutes out of every single drive that you have and just slow the game down, they can't score if they don't have the ball, you know? And so that's why, you know, when you, you, you rush up to the line, you throw an incomplete pass, and then you run the ball for two yards, it's third and eight, and you've taken 15 seconds maybe off the drive. So you either do one or the other. You're either very, very efficient when you run this hurry-up offense and you run it consistently – or you don't run it and you take as much time off the clock as you can because that mixture is just not healthy. That's not how you win football games. And I think it led to a lot of the loss in the Ole Miss game. I think our problem on offense, aside from uh, from inconsistent quarterback play, if we're talking strictly from a play-calling standpoint, because I don't sure. consider us a hurry-up offense. I just consider us more balanced than what we used to be. Um I don't think we're either run first or pass first. I think we're right at that 50-50 split right now. But the problem is, is and we've have been having these slow starts, and it's just... Are okay. you not tired okay. of the 50-50 split? I'm tired of it. If you're, I, okay, I but listen, if you're, if you're the defensive coordinator of Georgia, first play of the game, and you're the defensive coordinator, what do you think Alabama's doing? Toss sweep. See, I would say that the, 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 the coaches either think we're going to do one of those screens that we do, that we love to do and we do it all the time, yep. all or the we're running it right up the middle with Derrick Henry, which I don't hate, but they know it's coming. And then second yeah. down, probably going to do it again because they are yeah. they know we're going to come into this game. It's it's, pre it's predictable. And the thing is, you know, a lot of this uh, stuff They don't with trust Lane the quarterbacks, which means they know that we're going to right. open the game running so that we can uh, – so then we're looking at the third and eight, and we throw an incomplete pass. And that's what keeps yeah. happening. It happened against Wisconsin. It happened against Ole Miss. And it's going to happen against Georgia unless they come out with something a little bit different. I mean, well, it doesn't – like I, I love the said, fact that we run it. If When we run it, I think we need more of that. But, yeah, and like I just said, it's, it's you know, there's no time taken off the clock either. 
So you run that drive, it's third and eight, you throw an incomplete pass, and, you know, now you've only taken 30, 40 seconds off the clock. I mean, you've, you've done nothing. You've accomplished nothing in that drive. Uh, let's move on because we could talk, you know, forever about this situation because it's something that this next game is going to be very, very telling uh, towards the quarterback and offensive coordinator situation and all that. But before we move on to the Georgia game, one thing that I want to say, Adam Griffith made a great field goal last week. Two. Uh, I complete two. You're right, two. I completely lost my ever-loving mind on him two episodes. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not saying he shut me up because he's still got a horrible percentage for not only this year but his career. But we're headed in the right direction, and I liked his confidence. I liked, you know. I think at the longest was what 44, 46 yards. I mean, it was. I think he hit a, a forty. I think forty was his longest in this. this forty, game. but I mean that's a long field goal, man. It makes me question how you can miss a twenty-six yarder, but you know uh, I I like it and I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable with having him back there. Obviously, with Rayborn being arrested on a DUI charge, don't have much of a choice. Suspended. Uh, you know, it's just, it, that makes it sort of, okay, well, now we know who the kicker is because there's no one else to really take that spot. So, but anyway, so I wanted to stop and say something nice about Adam Griffith because if you mess up, I'm going to get mad. If you do something well, you should get praise. That's just Oh, good. My... Well, then I'll jump in and ask, why is J.K. Scott averaging less than 40 yards a punt through four games this year? Anyway, not going to delve no into punting game too much, but seriously, why? Okay. Moving on. Georgia. Jeez. Georgia. Let's get to Georgia. Uh, I, I like Georgia this year. I've been watching a lot of their, you know, in preparation for this all day, I've been watching a lot of, uh, you know, their games and just sort of highlights from them. So far, they've we been can, the most impressive team in the SEC up there with LSU. Well, and yeah. obviously Ole Miss. I think, I think LSU has been, well, I don't know. I was going to say I think LSU has been the biggest surprise. But even then, I think Ole Miss has been a bigger surprise than yeah, LSU. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss winning at Alabama's they're 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 the the, the golden child right now. Um, yes, but that it's yeah. really those three at the top. Alabama's that fourth team, which is why I'm going not going to. Alabama's still thick in the national title contention with all of them. I mean, all four and of those they teams. Should. Yeah, they should. If are. Alabama wins out, I dare you. I I'm saying this right now. I know that so many of the college football playoff voters listen to this podcast. But if for some reason they do, I'm saying this to you directly right now. If Alabama has one loss at the end of the season, I dare you to keep them out of the college football playoff. I dare you. The toughest schedule in the FBS this year. By far. By far. So, And then you look at the losses. They had five turnovers and lost by six points in a game where they showed the thing that, the a thing lot that of heart. The thing that frustrates me most about that is – Alabama loses by six points to Ole Miss at home, and the next day all you hear on the radio and on TV is about how the dynasty is dead. It was six points, and this is a rebuilding year in my opinion. I just I don't know how you can say, oh, well, the dynasty's gone. Saban's, you know, he doesn't know how to coach anymore. He's out they of They said time. that last year when we made the playoff. It's Everybody exactly. knows that it's Alabama gets game. penalized for losses more than anybody because it, Alabama is a Twitter affair when they lose on – and, and, and on Facebook, and everybody has to have their two cents about it, and everybody overreacts. Just like, I mean, last year, everybody this time said Tom Brady's career is over, and... Yeah, and Bill Belichick's an idiot who's too old for his own good and needs to retire. Yeah, exactly. When you're under the spotlight of winning all these national championships and being the best program, every loss is magnified. 
Uh, we still haven't even gotten to talking about Georgia yet. <laughs> okay, Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Uh, Nick Chubb is an obvious that we could talk about. I don't want to talk about him right now because we know how good he is. There's no reason to go over it. But there's no and reason honestly, also we can't stop him. I, right. I'm not, I'm not too concerned about their running game because we have the best running defense in the nation, period. We do. That's the same reason I'm not as worried about LSU, but we're going to get into that later in the season. Um, I, I think about, and I'm sure you do too, everybody does, the 2008 Georgia game with the blackout, and it was, you so know, the dynasty started. Stacked. That team was stacked. They had A.J. Green, Matt Stafford, no Sean Marino. I mean, all these guys that were just silenced that night. The blackout, I mean, it was, it was all the hype and everything, and it was, you know, that was when Alabama sort of, put themselves on the map in college football under Saban. In my opinion, that was the game that really everybody was like, wow, these guys are, they're for real this year. You know, it's, it's not, it's not a 2005 under Mike Shula where all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's, oh my gosh, they went, you know, 10 and two this year. How did they do that? They almost made the SEC championship game. How did that? Well, never mind. They went seven and five the next year or seven and four, whatever it was, you know, it was, oh my gosh, these guys are back on the map. And the Saban dude's for real, you know, he left Miami under all this and this John Parker Wilson guys really put it together and Alabama's defense looks great. I hope that we see the same sort of thing on Saturday, but the story is not, these guys are on the map. The story is Alabama's still here. Yes. And they're ready to play. That'd be nice. Uh, and I think what I want to get into, and the thing that concerns me most as to Alabama not getting a victory on Saturday, is these Georgia wide receivers. Uh, everything you could want in a college uh, wide receiver staff. They're cocky. Uh, they're quick. They they know that their quarterback's going to get them the ball, and it's up to them to make the room and make the play and make their guy miss and then go up the sideline for, you know, 30 or 40 yards. And I just, I really, really hope that our defensive backs play like they did uh, this week rather than like they did against Ole Miss. Um, So what concerns you most, Patrick, about Georgia? Well, I think the X factor is going to be Lambert, Grayson Lambert, the quarterback. Obviously, he broke that record a couple weeks ago where he went 26 of 27. If we can force it, if he's going to be comfortable and he's, listen, okay, so... Here's one thing. I'm tired of us taking the ball to start the game because we just come out, we go yeah. three and out, and then we're playing. I agree. Then we're already playing Georgia's brand of football. Give our defense a chance to go make some noise. We we don't we don't. It was easy when we had Amari Cooper and, and we we were almost a shoe in for a touchdown to start the game. Um, it's different now. Our defense yeah. is our strength again. Let your defense go out there, set the tone, and then if they can get Grayson Lambert to be off his game if they can get him rattled, uh, get the, co- the the crowd silenced early because maybe the players don't remember the 2008 blackout, but I can guarantee you the fans do. And The fans do, and I know I know one person definitely does. Mark Ricks. Well, I, I was going to say Scott Cochran. That's, that's the other strength one. and conditioning coach that had a, a very couple of choice uh, words to say about Georgia – wearing black and then during the game if you get a chance and uh you don't have children around or your boss isn't around look up uh scott cochran saying run another trick play bleep uh to georgia during the blackout game 
uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that video, but it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard on a live television broadcast. Uh, Scott Cochran was pumped to beat Georgia that night. Um, he was pumped all week. It's going to be, in my opinion, it's going to be a little bit tougher this time. Um, Grayson Lambert, like you said, having a great year. Uh, he's 52 for 68 on the year, 733 yards, uh, seven touchdowns, no interceptions, none, not a single interception. But we're uh, the first defensive test he's going to have. Uh, sure. South Carolina is not a, a defensive test. I don't. I'm not I don't think they're a test so, for anyone. Uh, so for he's not, he's but, he, uh, but he hasn't played anyone like us. So if we can go out there and we can set the tone and get him rattled and get sure. their fans quiet. I guess because they're, they're the ones that are going to remember the game, and they're the ones that are going to care, and they're the ones that are going to know Bama's in town. If we can get the, that stadium quiet and give Coker just a chance to relax. Relax. Just relax. Cause that's just, a, you know, the times that he looks best, Patrick, are the times that Alabama is up by 10 or when Alabama is down to Ole Miss 42-24. We're down 18, buddy. You're not going to get it all in one pass. Just Sit back there, make your reads. There's nothing there. Get outside the pocket, throw it out of bounds. Just don't get sacked. Don't lose the ball. Don't get sacked. That's all that Jay Coker needs to worry about this weekend. If you're Lane Kiffin, run the ball. Run the ball. Give it to Derrick Henry. Give it to your horses. You know what? There's going to be some three and outs on Saturday. This Georgia defense is good. But just because there's a three and out when you run the ball does not mean that you should pass the ball the rest of the game. And that's what I'm seeing a lot from Lane Kiffin. We've already gone into that. I'm not going to get into it again. Like I said, the receiving core is what scares me the most. Malcolm Mitchell, uh, who is still in school at Georgia, which I feel like he's been there. Was he at the blackout game? I mean, seriously, like this guy, I feel like he has been there forever. He's a very, very talented wide receiver. Yeah, 20 he, receptions. I think he played with Herschel. 306, right, exactly. <laughs> 306 yards, uh, longest of 33 with three touchdowns. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know, Patrick. I, I really, really hope that Cyrus Jones and Eddie Jackson and the young defensive backfield come to play on Saturday. And if they do, I think Alabama has a really, really good shot at winning this ball game. They came to play against Ole Miss. They came to play against, and I know the box score doesn't look like it, but they were put, obviously, if the fans watch, they know that they were put in some terrible positions there well, by I mean, the turnover. So. 40, the, the 46 yards of that are off of Marlon Humphrey's helmet. Yes, I mean, exactly. You know, I, it's tough. It's tough. Now, that is a young mistake. Knock the ball down, you know. But even then, I, I don't know. Um, it's it's just I, I think Alabama's been a little bit, like you mentioned, the word that keeps coming up to my head is tested. They've been a little bit more tested than Georgia. They're sort of battle-ready, in my opinion. I just I, I I don't know. This game's just if I, I would feel a lot better if this game were being played in Brian Denny Stadium. Let's say that. Patrick, go ahead, give me your score prediction for Saturday. <laughs> well, I know that this is the first game that we haven't been favored in since two thousand nine. We said seventy two straight games, it's been all over the place. Yes, I know Alabama's, we're favored record, to win. Alabama's um, record sixty two and ten in that stretch. Just throwing that out there. Sixty two and ten, not bad. Not bad for the last several years, but uh, I I don't know. Call it the homer in me, but I just – I think our team being tested has already put their worst football behind them. That's in the rearview mirror. 
uh, and that was obviously the Ole Miss game. The worst football is behind us. Everything that could go bad in that game went bad, and we were still six points away. I know you haven't heard much of what I had to say since I was in uh, the wonderful Walt Disney World over the last two games, but I think this is a team that is... I know, okay, what I did see in that game, and I haven't been able to say this, is I saw that this team is... A team of, this sounds so cliche, a team of warriors. To be down 42-24, and I'd given up on them on... Uh, I, I got off Space Mountain in the second half of that game. I looked at my phone, saw we were down 42-24, and said, this is done. It wasn't until about 30 minutes later I was like, holy cow, we have some warriors on our team. So yeah. Yeah. I think this team is still I set on the national title. I don't think that they've put everything else behind them. I think they have a lot to prove, and everything against me is saying, no, we're not ready. We're not ready for Georgia at Georgia, but I don't care. I think our team is ready. I think we're the best team in the nation, uh, and I think we just are really struggling at one key position, which is quarterback. So, with that said, I'm going to go a 31-24 kind of game. Okay. I like it. I, I like it. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know. This game's going to put stomach or knots in my stomach all week. Um, this week and all day on Saturday because I'm just I just changed I don't know. my mind. Sorry, I just changed my mind. I think this is going to be an ugly game. I'm going to go 17-10. 17-10 is <laughs> interesting. I, you know, I I don't know. I, I kind of like your original thing. Uh, I'm going to take Alabama 27-24. Uh, and that's not Alabama kicking a game-winning field goal at the end. I think that's Alabama scoring uh, three touchdowns, a fourth touchdown, and a missed extra point. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and then Georgia uh, sort of sitting back stunned that Alabama has wasted the entire second half on offense. That's what I'm hoping happens. It's what I think will happen. I think if Lane Kiffin, just please run the ball. Just please. I, I know I sound like a broken record, but just please run the ball. Um, so we've, we've covered Alabama. Patrick, the last thing I want to get into, uh, we'll stay sort of with Georgia in a way. Um, Leonard Fournette. Uh, is a guy, and I know I just said Georgia, but hang with me. Uh, Leonard Fournette is a guy that's run all over the place uh, the past couple weeks, really come up as this huge Heisman contender, a front runner, and all that. Um, Herschel Walker, there was a lot of combinations, or excuse me, comparisons between Herschel Walker and Leonard Fournette uh, in the past couple weeks. Herschel Walker came out today and said, I think he is better than I was when I was at Georgia. I want to get your opinion on this running back because, honestly, I'm not convinced he's better than an Eddie Lacy or a Trent Richardson in his prime, college Trent, not pro Trent, obviously, or a Mark Ingram that won the Heisman Trophy. Where do you rank Leonard Fournette's talent level among some of the SEC's greatest running backs? Well, I mean, that is like... uh... There are people out there that think that Herschel Walker was the greatest college football player, period. And there are people that have made compelling arguments for that. So I think he's just trying to make a headline because uh, that to me sounds almost like – here's the best way I can maybe put it in my head. Because obviously Leonard Fournette's a great player. This is like Michael Jordan saying that Dwayne Wade is better than he was early in his career or something like that. I mean, that's this a great is comparison. that's yeah. it's something like that to me. You know, Dwayne Wade, great player in his own right, especially early in his career when he was uh, sure. leading those those uh, Heat teams. But 
to me, I think Herschel's maybe trying to make a headline. Um, I yeah. don't think Herschel even believes that. I know it was a different brand of football back then, but uh, Leonard Fournette, obviously a great player, but um, he's not head and shoulders above a Nick Chubb, so I don't know. Well, and it's it's like, I mean, everybody said this about Sean Moreno a couple of years ago, too. I mean, there was all the comparisons because he was at Georgia, and it was, I mean, he was a great running back. He still is. Um, but Other than I'm the just, fact that he can't find a job. Sure. But <laughs> I, I think that, I, well, you know what I mean, though. I mean, these past couple Denver Broncos teams really were stagnant in the running game until he got there. Uh, you know, and I know he's sort of teetered off, but he was a great running back. But the thing is, I think back to Leonard Fournette against Alabama last year. And I think back to Leonard Fournette against Auburn last year, and I'm just not sold. I'm just I like I, I am. I genuinely think he is the best player in college football right now. Uh, I put him above Nick Chubb. I put him above Derrick Henry barely. Uh, those two guys barely. If I had to rank the three running backs in the SEC right now, it'd go Fournette, Chubb, Henry. Um, I just I think that Fournette has the ability to really punish people. Uh, I think Chubb is really sort of your shifty guy um, who can still lay the wood, certainly, but is much more about getting away from defenders, separating himself and scoring. And Derrick Henry's just a bust. Um, And I I think Fournette's a great combination of those two players, but I'm just not sold that he's Herschel Walker. I'm not sold he's Mark Ingram. Uh, I'm not buying it yet. He hasn't played a defense. I mean, Syracuse's defense looked terrible the other day. It looked terrible, and they still struggled a little bit. And honestly, without Leonard Fournette, I'm not sure LSU wins that game. Uh, I'm I'm not as high on Leonard Fournette as most people are, but I like him. Uh, I hope nothing but the best for him until he plays Alabama. I like him as a person. I haven't really seen anything that would make me think otherwise. He's had some weird antics on the field, but he's an LSU kid, so... What are you going to expect? <laughs> um, but I like him. I like the kid. Uh, I hope he does well. I think it would be a great. I think he's a great representative for the SEC. He's got the speed and he's got the power. Um, and I enjoy watching him play. It's fun watching him play. So I hope he does well. Um, Patrick, any final thoughts? Anything you want to bring up before we wrap up this fifth episode of Pat's Interference? Good to be back. Having fun doing this. Um, it's great to be back. I, I say it every week. Uh, this has been a dream of ours. I mean, I, I know that sounds really, really cheesy, but it really has. We've talked about this for a long time. Uh, the people that listen to this, you really, you, you make this fun for us. Uh, this started out as a project that was just sort of Patrick and I really sort of wanting to do something to just have an outlet to talk about college football and to have something that's a hobby. Uh, and the people that listen to this um, and their loyalty and new listeners and everything about it, we just, we love it so much so thank you very very much um you can find us all over social media uh twitter is at pi underscore podcast facebook you can search pat's interference you can go to patsinterference.com find us on itunes at pat's interference again that's p-a-t-s interference.com uh patrick go ahead give me your score prediction one more time <laughs> i thought after i changed it or before i'll uh, you know i'm sticking with the something like a 17 17- 10 17 13 i i don't know i don't i don't see there being 50 something combined points between these two teams 
Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm still going 27-24, uh, Alabama. You know, I won't be surprised if with either team winning. Uh, I will be surprised if this is not a close game. That's something that will really, really shock me. Um, thank you so much for listening to episode five of Pat's Interference. Uh, sorry, this episode was a little bit later, but. You know, with Patrick traveling back and, uh, you know, everything that I've had to do this week, we got a little bit of a late start on it. Hope you were able to stay patient with us. Be uh, tuned in for next week, episode six. Hopefully we're talking about a big Alabama victory over Georgia and really starting to focus on the rest of the season. So thank you so much again for listening. That's all for us. We hope you have a good week and most of all, roll tide.